Welcome to Disney Versus, where we don't talk about Bruno. (laughs) (laughs) This is the podcast where we have animated discussions about animated movies. I'm Tori. I'm Grace. If you're new to the show, (laughs) she's not Bruno. If you're new to the show, welcome. What we usually do on the show is we rank and debate Disney and Pixar movies and etc. properties. Today we're talking about Disney's 60th animated feature, not 63rd, IMDb Trivia, you're wrong, Encanto. For this episode, we have a very special guest. He's a first-timer on the podcast, very good friend of mine, Ruben Martinez. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, sorry. Thanks so much for having me. Glad you could Woo! be here. Welcome. I am glad to be here. <laughs> uh, before we get into all the normal stuff that we do, Ruben, tell us about yourself. Like, what's your Disney history? What do you do, sir? Oh, man, my Disney history. It all started with uh, my dad, who was obsessive about Pinocchio and collected many figures, snow globes, etc. Just Pinocchio memorabilia, pretty much. Um and ever since then, I just, I loved it. I remember watching Finding Nemo in theaters back in the day, and that is still one of my favorite movies. I love the score. I love everything about mm-hmm. it. So, yeah, I've been you, a Disney fan ever since. Are you a more Pixar fan or are you more Disney fan? Oh, man. I have to say that Disney probably has my favorite film, which is Coco. So I'd have to go on the Disney side for that. Wait, but Disney, no, Coco is Pixar. Is it Pixar? Yeah. It is, it is oh. Pixar. Yeah. yeah. All right. I changed my mind. It is Pixar then. <laughs> Switching teams. Cool. Switching teams. In watching this movie, and I'll bring it up why later, I realize Disney is the more optimistic set of movies. And I feel like Pixar movies are a little, a little bit more realistic and or cynical. Yeah. I think they're more about the storytelling. Like it's, it's yeah. a more uh, Disney relies heavily on tropes and magic magic and and stories that um are already established fairy tales like even past renaissance era disney but pixar is less about that and more about the original storytelling actually i think this seems a little deep to hit us off but it seems like um old disney like there was an era of disney that was about teaching lessons and Pixar has picked up that torch and Disney movies have become a little bit less deep. Yeah, just more so about the plot rather than the message. Yeah. Yeah. Grace, what are you watching? I'm not watching. <laughs> 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 we, record, we recorded like a week ago, right? No, it's been a while. What have I been watching? Oh, oh, no, I am watching something. I'm watching, um, I'm watching the chocolate show. I don't even know what it's called on Netflix. But I think it's called Chocolate Masterclass or Chocolate School. Um, but it's, it's, think like the optimistic feelings of Great British Bake Off, except that they don't vote anyone off and they're winners and losers every episode. And then the losers just have to sit out of the chocolate challenge the next day and get a masterclass from the teacher. Huh. Like, what a, what a great concept. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's cool dessert chocolate stuff. School of Chocolate is there what you it's go. called. Yeah, it's on Netflix. It's great. And then I'm still watching Game of Thrones. Getting ready to, to do some Christmas, but I'm still in the middle of Little Drummer Boy Challenge. So, oh, and we're going to start doing uh, Star Wars, the newly annual Star Wars 
marathon. That's an annual thing for y'all now. Oh wow! Yeah, I mean, last year, last year was the first annual. Just, uh, <laughs> so, just main movies. This will be the second annual. No, all of them. Last year we did all of them. So we did. Um, my best friend and I did this road trip with my parents. That was many, many thousand miles over like ten days, and we ended up watching before and after. We watched all of them. I think we might have skipped solo at that point. Aww. But we watched all of them. But yeah, this time we'll do solo because I think it's we have access yeah. to it now. But luckily, there there are no new Star Wars movies that have come yeah. out since then. Yeah, yeah. we we'll have extra work. <laughs> Maybe I'll do Mando in preparation for that. Ooh, yeah. Searching chocolate on Netflix, by the way, you get School of Chocolate, Chocolate, which is a I think a South Korean show, Chocolat, <gasps> Baking Impossible. And Chocolate City Vegas Strip, which is the POC version of Magic Mike. It's the... <laughs> yeah. That's what that is. And then Hot Chocolate Nutcracker, which I recommend. And then way at the bottom, you get like Memoirs of a Geisha, which has nothing to do with chocolate at all. Interesting. <laughs> Shrug. Ruben, what you watching? Right now, uh, I have introduced... One of my friends to Attack on Titan, and we have been rewatching that. Uh, my girlfriend and I caught up last month to the end of season four, part one, and she loves it. And we introduced it to somebody else, and now we're rewatching it. I'm actually reading the manga too because I'm a huge nerd like that. <laughs> uh, and I'm playing Final Fantasy fourteen and Walker too. So, oh, nice. Yeah. Ruben mentions his nerdiness. He Ruben is the person that broke the matrix for me when he told me that the avengers theme fits perfectly into the theme from skyfall <laughs> and the world has never wait, been the same wait is there I'll, I'll send you the i'll send you the the track that we were talking about when he broke the broke the world for me i i need that yeah i'll send it yeah, to same you. chords okay, same chords love it i told ruben this is where we recommend things i haven't watched anything that i can really recommend uh i watched home sweet home alone the new home alone reboot air quotes or remake whatever it is sequel i'm not sure what it is on disney plus and my goodness it's bad oh that's so <laughs> unfortunate <laughs> it's it's so very oh, bad no. i put on facebook that it i gave it two stars and one of those stars was solely because of the way they use somewhere in my memory which is really one of the best parts of the first two home alone movies other than that, it's, oh, it's so bad. Uh, less bad, but I can't really recommend it. I mean, it's because of DJ alone. Uh, Jungle Cruise. I finally watched Jungle Cruise. Okay. Yeah. And it wasn't bad. I just didn't enjoy it as much as everyone was saying I would. I feel like maybe like, yeah, I feel, I feel like with a glass of wine, like, <laughs> or two. <laughs> Don't take it too seriously. It's probably invisible. A good time for uh, turning the brain off. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it is. There's a lot of things that there's a lot of things that make sense in that movie, and there are a lot of things that don't make sense in that movie. I was not spoilers. Spoilers for Jungle Cruise. I was not expecting uh, Emily Blunt and The Rock to have a thing at the end of the movie, and I was like, mm. just wait, spo- I haven't seen it yet. Well. Tori. I just said. <laughs> yeah, but what am I supposed to do? Just like take my. So, oh, stop wait listening? a second. Let me just. That's take exactly what you're. 
That's exactly what you're supposed to do. <laughs> Sorry. That's weird. Sorry. What? So it's a like, party foul. like basic movie making to where, oh, well, the lead actor and actress, of course, have to end up at the ends, you know? Especially if they're as hot as Emily Blunt and uh, The Rock. <laughs> Great rapper, by the way. Uh, right? Oh my gosh. <laughs> the Rock? Yeah. Yes. Have you heard his oh, we, we know from um, Moana. Oh, no, 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 no. This goes no. way harder than so Moana. Much harder. Great, great. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm here I'll for it. I'll send you that too. It looks like it's getting, I, don't, I think it's getting a sequel. And uh, what's the other thing? Oh, I mean, it's a good blend of like The Mummy and Indiana Jones. So I'll set in the jungle. Um, let's get to a little bit of news. We haven't talked about these trailers, even though they've been out for a while. Uh, Pixar's Turning Red, the second, uh, we talked about the first one, that's right. So, uh, Pixar's Turning Red and Pixar's Lightyear. We already talked about Turning Red, so let's talk about Lightyear. What do you guys think of the Lightyear trailer? I loved having Starman as the, the music for it. I, like, that got me hyped. Oh man! Maybe we want to go watch the Martian. <laughs> the Martian, or Interstellar, especially like the slingshotting scenes. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. A lot of the visuals. I feel like Chris Evans is probably one of the best casted. Like, if somebody has to pick up the mantle for Buzz Lightyear, I feel like Chris Evans isn't a horrible choice at all. Wait, is right. it? Is that real? Yeah, yeah. That's that's Chris Evans wow. there. Wow. He doesn't say much in the trailer, but it's him. Yeah. I think he just says and because <laughs> someone says to infinity and then he says and and then John Lasseter's credited on this because he came up with the, the like Buzz Lightyear is his character. Oh, OK. okay so okay, he so has to be credited sense. based on characters by John. Lasseter. OK, surely he'll say more than one word moving forward, though. Ooh, what if he doesn't? What if it's all looks? <laughs> you know, I would not mind a Wally like. If we're just gonna go hard on, on the silent movie, and it's, it's Chris Evans do it. doing the motion capture, <laughs> <laughs> like they, they put him in a ship and they put him in the the gear. It's like I don't have to I don't have to work out for this one, do I? Great, but yeah, I'm super excited for this one. I'm more excited for Lightyear than I am for Turning Red. I mean, in the new Turning Red trailer, it looks super nerdy. Like I I feel it, mm-hmm. but. I mean, Lightyear just looks freaking epic. It has the it same looks- kind of realism as the the Cars three trailer, mm-hmm. and that trailer for Cars three is like, okay, maybe I'll give this franchise another shot. <laughs> I'm feeling it. So uh, we're here to talk about Encanto, but uh, before Encanto, there was a short, as Pixar usually does, called uh, Far from the Tree. My heart. Okay, so this started, and I like. But before the movie, I knew it was a Pixar movie, but for some reason, when the short started, I was like, why is Disney doing a short? Well, who do they think they are? <laughs> oh, my bad. My bad. This isn't this isn't a Pixar movie. We were just talking about Pixar stuff, so I got confused. This but, is a Disney movie. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I'm right. Exactly. Who yeah, do you think yeah. they are? Pixar? <laughs> the first time I saw this, I saw this with Gina and Curtis, and we went to Studio Movie Grill, which I hate doing because i get distracted by all of the waiters walking around the theater in a dark room with foods and trays and stuff so when it started like i completely missed the title that it was called far from the tree and i'm just like oh this isn't the movie i forgot there are usually shorts 
So it started, and then it took me a minute to settle in. But, I mean, once we got into it, I kind of dug it. I did not. Yeah, I, uh, I, you didn't? Oh, no. No. <laughs> Why didn't you like it? I, uh, there are two things that really stood out to me. One is the animation style to me felt like a college application for Pixar. Oh, like, wow. like an Like an intern's application or something like that. Like, it just wasn't... It, what, it didn't seem finished. It didn't feel finished. Um, it didn't feel like the quality that I expect from Pixar. And that kind of butted up against feelings that I don't, one, I don't think are necessarily appropriate. Like, I thought this was a pretty heavy, like, bordering on abusive, like, demonstrating abuse. And of course, it wasn't quite that blatant, but if that, I mean, that's, that's really what it is, is a metaphor for parental abuse um and so the kind of messy not even like hand-drawn just unfinished it seemed sloppy design style coupled with really harsh emotions that weren't nuanced um until the very very end and it instead of taking me on a journey of emotions i was just tense until the very end and then I felt like there was a better way to tell that story mm. it felt like a first draft to me I can see that yeah the uh I I kind of get what you're saying with kind of the animation style like the backgrounds kind of seemed a little unfinished it didn't look particularly great um but I think the metaphor with the whole like parental trauma fit really well with the story because then you know the young raccoon who grows up learns that he can, you know, break that cycle and not be, you know, as horrible as his parent figure was, even though the parent figure just wanted what was best for them. Uh, and it is, it is a really hard topic to kind of tackle. And if they were to try it again, I'd want it to be a little longer. And like you said, a little bit more nuanced. Uh, but I think it was more a short for the parents and the audience rather than the kids. I appreciate Pixar for pushing back. Like, this isn't the first time that they've tried to convey some really, really heavy or deep emotions, especially in the short. This, to me, felt like crossing the line. Mm -hmm. A disclaimer was needed in my mind. Yeah. I wonder, like, I want to talk to my mom about that and see what she thinks. Um, and, like, the people that I know that would have big opinions about this. Because it felt a little too far. Um, but I do like, you're, you're totally right. Like demonstrating that you can break that cycle is a really important message. And I, I think that part was well told. I was just, I think there was a lack of nuance, but it is, that is a lesson worth teaching. I'm just not sure yeah. that's Yeah. Just maybe handle it a little bit like more, yeah, <laughs> yeah a little bit more gently, you know? Yeah. And yeah. And I think too, like it can be hard for people and I do think that there really should have been a disclaimer especially nowadays you know we see a lot of topics about things like mental health and past issues I think kind of maybe this might you know trigger some people like you know you should you know be careful or if you have these certain issues or these certain past experiences maybe sit out for this one you know yeah now now that you're saying uh mentioning like family triggers actually this might be the movie to pair it with because it's already yeah. like if you've seen yeah. a preview for Encanto, yeah. you know that there's going to be family trauma. 
And so you're accepting that. So maybe I just talk myself out of me. Well, <laughs> no, I didn't watch. I didn't watch a single trailer going into Encanto. So oh, I actually okay. kind of went in a little blind. And I was a little shocked by by the animation. I thought the little raccoon was cute. You know, I, I look at my girlfriend like, oh, look, he's so cute. You know, <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. Addressing Grace's feelings on the animation. Um, it kind of reminds me of Burrow with the rabbit who was looking for the new home. Um, mm-hmm. But that one looked a little bit more finished and clean. It still kind of had the same kind of storybook art style to it. So, like, we've seen some really dynamic art forms for shorts. Like, I'm thinking of, is it Pippin? The one that's on the beach? Pippa. Piper. No, Piper. No, Piper. So, Piper. And I think, like, that's, I obviously, this is on the beach. Like, I would expect something with that high quality. Mm-hmm. Or even, like, um, is it Paper Plane? Paper Man. Paper Man. Ooh, yeah, yeah. I don't know any of the names. I just, I just know which ones I really like. Completely different design style, very basic, but artfully done. And I think this, for me, there was, I was trying to, like, while I was watching, I was like, why is this distracting me so much? Why is the design distracting me so much? And I realized that the raccoons were almost all matte. Like, there was no dimension to them. There was no contour. There was no fur, especially for a studio that, like, the hair and Encanto, the hair just keeps getting better. And in Canto, it's just like, you nailed it. So good. <laughs> so then for it to be so like weak sauce, like it just felt weak sauce. It, it felt mm. like the amateur hour. Yeah, I I'll, I'll stop. No, it's okay. It's no, I can, I can totally see that. <laughs> Normally, Tori's the one who rants against something. <laughs> what? Oh, trust me. I, I've known Tori yes. for a couple of years now. So <laughs> uh, I. I agree with Ruben though on the like kind of the message of this one how with with you know I I I went on a deep dive of like generational trauma because that's kind of what this is how how it's passed down cuz you know the older raccoon number 1 the old raccoon I'll call it grandpa raccoon wow it really sucks that there were no names in these and <laughs> and and we didn't have an idea of the relationship yeah it was a little we didn't actually know what their vague. relationship was I don't think it matters so much. It's more of a an elder. There was an elder and there was a younger at, at both times. So the first elder, you know, was very, you know, harsh about clearly the scar. And it was a, this is how this happened to me. You know, do what I say, whatever. And then when the younger raccoon became the elder, took the, they, at first he took the same approach that you have to, you know, this is what happened to me. I don't want this to happen to you. And it was that came across as just anger. What I just explained came, came through later when they were up on the tree looking down at the wolf. I guess it was a wolf or a fox. Mm-hmm. And then it explained the second elder explained to the second younger, hey, this is what I went through when I was younger. I don't want this to happen to you. This is why I'm hard on you. And it became became a growing moment instead of just a moment of pain and anger i left the theater and i was like why is generational trauma like popping up in my head like a like a epiphany i just went down like a rabbit hole of videos like generational trauma what actually is it yeah um my girlfriend was actually doing some research on it she's like super into you know psychiatry and and counseling and things like that and she found that there was a study done that 
things like generational trauma could even be passed down genetically. Like yeah. there was a, a time where an individual, you know, felt like his relationship with his mom was strained, even though they had a great relationship. Turns out uh, the mom had a really bad relationship with her grandma and nobody really knew about it. So you know, those mm. things can kind of pass down and like they'll have those anxieties that you can't really explain. And I, you know, I, <laughs> as for a Disney short, you know, like I kind of agree with Grace. I could have probably done a little better, a little bit more like gent, gently, gentler, however you want to say that. Cause it was kind of like, I didn't realize that's what it was about at first. And then it kind of hit me and I was like, oh, that's like, yeah, you know, hit me right there. Just thinking about that, I came up with so many different, like, analogies to that in the real world and most of them are like you know racism based or just you know how you know one group can't get along with another group and how it's passed down through you know parent to child parent to child and it just nothing changes and that's what struck me and i agree with both of you this needed a trigger warning but i like how this this short kind of allows parents to broach the topic of generational trauma and generational fear because mm-hmm. it's not easy to just jump into stuff like that it's like it's it's kind of hard to jump into like the topic of racism with you know an eight, uh, a five to eight year old you know mm-hmm. and this is kind of like entry to that like this is you know generational trauma 101 with disney so i agree i agree with what both of you said i agree this should have been longer just a little bit longer and the I wasn't as out on the animation as you were, Grace, but I could have used a little bit more as well. Overall, I think it was a pretty passable short, but it could have done a little bit more to be, you know, just this isn't going to stick in my head like Bao did, or this isn't going to stick in my head like Paper Man did. Yeah. I think it was a decent effort. Do we want to move on to Encanto now? Sorry, I'm, I don't have a good segue for that. <laughs> good uh, i mean talking take, about generational trauma so. yeah Woo. let's take a quick uh trailer break i'm gonna go ahead and drop the spoiler warning here on the other side of this trailer we're gonna be talking about it ago this candle blessed our family with a miracle our house our casita came to life with magic hola casita Boys! Boys! Let's go! in time every member of our family cecilia up top was given their own magical gift Super strong like Luisa. The donkey's gone out again. On it! Or effortlessly perfect like Senorita Perfecta Isabella. But Mama, why am I the only one that didn't get a gift? You're just as special as anyone else in this family. You just healed my hand with an arepa con queso. Even in our darkest moments, there's light. 
stairs. But at least I'll have a friend. Nope, you flew away immediately. Quitter! <sighs> All right, let's talk about Encanto. Uh, Ruben, I, I'm going to give you carte blanche to correct any of my pronunciations. Sure. Because uh, I don't want to offend anybody. That's okay. Um, <laughs> Encanto was directed by Jared Bush, Byron Howard, and co-directed by Carice Castro-Smith. was written by Jared Bush and Carice Castro-Smith. Carice Castro-Smith, she's new to you know the Disney family. She was, this is her first credit as a director of any kind, but she was a writer on The Haunting of Hill House. Oh, excellent. so I. I kind of want to watch that now. Oh, uh, Hill House is so good. It's horror, right? Yes. yes. I mean, haunting. I love a good horror movie, so. Yeah. Especially a house horror movie. It's not what you think, honestly. There's no? a lot of, uh, I mean, without any spoilers, it takes a lot of turns. And it kind of has a lot of, like, you know, flashbacks, flash forwards. It'll, it's, it's told between two different timelines, like the adult timeline and the child timeline. And you kind of get pieces of the plot together different people's perspectives and things like that so it was a really fun story to watch and kind of eye-opening too it was i really liked it the movie stars stephanie beatrice as metabel madrigal maria cecilia botero as abuela john Leguizamo as bruno jessica darrow as luisa diane guerrero as isabella angie cepeda as julieta maribel's mom Wilmer Valderrama as Maribel's dad, Carolina Gatan as Peppa, Meryl Castillo as uh, Felix, Adasa as Dolores, and Renzi Felice as uh, Camilo. And of course, Alan Tudyk is here as another bird. <laughs> I, I Continuing didn't catch the that. Streak. I didn't catch that. <laughs> when we were talking about Light, Lightyear, I thought about that. I was like, I mean, in the vein of Alan Tudyk. <laughs> Alan Tudyk better be in Lightyear as like someone who drives the who drives some sort of transport so they can make a Firefly reference. Oh my gosh, Firefly would be so good. I don't think that's gonna be it. Um, I think it's probably gonna be uh, like a two thousand and one reference. But the music was done by Jermaine Franco, who also did the Book of Life and Coco. And the songs were done by Lin-Manuel Miranda, who has done nothing of note before. No, not at all. <laughs> Ever. I think he was an extra uh, on Modern Family, actually. <laughs> uh, I think he was in an episode of House for some reason. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, who knows him? He'll never amount to anything. No, probably not. Currently has a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is damn good. Lin-Manuel Miranda. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you average all of his stuff together, it probably is a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. I bet it's higher. Surely it's higher. Has a a 7.6 out of 10 on IMDb. It has a 75 on Metacritic. Uh, I didn't check the box office this morning. When I checked the box office a couple of days ago, it had uh, made $45.2 million domestic. 74.7 74.7 million worldwide and had an opening Thanksgiving weekend gross of 46 point sorry 40.6 million dollars. Brief synopsis for the movie, a young Colombian girl has to face the frustration of being the only member of her family without magical powers. Again, one more time, spoiler alert for Encanto. Guess goes first, Ruben, what were your first impressions of Encanto? The soundtrack, man. What a soundtrack. 
I want it to get up and start dancing. I'm a horrible dancer, but I want it to anyway. Lots of um, reggaeton and, and cumbia beats, things that you'll hear either at quinceañeras or, or Hispanic weddings and things like that. And just the character of Mirabel is so relatable, you know, especially if, you know, you kind of grow up being told, oh, you're going to do so much. You're going to amount to all this. You're going to achieve all these things. You're going to make our family proud. And then you're a 20 something who's still trying to figure out their lives, you know? Yeah. And that to me really uh, hit home, especially the whole, you know, the characters, the kids at the beginning are trying to figure out who is who, who's everybody in the oh, family. Oh yeah. What's your gift. And then you have to tell them, you have to tell, oh, well, I actually uh, don't have any. And then the guy the guy comes with the with the present here's my non-special special present it's like oh well great thanks <laughs> way to be that guy. way to be that guy and just you know growing up um in a hispanic family we have millions and millions of relatives probably not millions but too many to count honestly mm-hmm. um and you can kind of relate to the people of the encanto whenever they're trying to figure out who who is who who's related to who uh who's a cousin who's a sister who's a father, who's a mother, things like that. So uh, I I really enjoyed Encanto. I thought it was a pretty great film. I have a little bit of issues with the ending, but we'll get to that later. Grace? Yeah, I I liked several. I I won't say most, I haven't gone through. I haven't listened to the soundtrack separate from the movie. I saw the movie last night. And I I did think it was a, a great soundtrack and did a good job of bridging musical styles and making it approachable and I loved how big this family was and I loved how different it looked from a lot of the other families that we've seen in Pixar and Disney and I think you bring up a great point like there it's a different there's a different culture to um to what family means and and what we owe to family and I had thought this did a beautiful job of telling that I feel like the story needed some work and I can't, I think I need to see it maybe like three more times before I can really pinpoint why. So the story didn't quite click into place like I wanted it to. Um, And we spent so much time talking about how Maribel doesn't have a gift and we just never quite balanced that scale in my mind. I thought it was beautiful. I was of course impressed by the hair. Um, Hashtag but, hair love. Hair love. Hair love. <laughs> yes. Ruben said that he didn't see any of the trailers. I only watched one of them just by, you know, I was in the theater and they played it. So I watched it. But I didn't really seek out this one because I wasn't really sold on it. But I enjoyed the movie. This movie, probably more than anything, has has given me more to think about than than a lot of mo- a lot of Disney and Pixar movies have in the you know last couple of years like Raya was exciting but Raya didn't make me think as much as this movie is making me think and theorize and some of it is inappropriate as we will get to and some of it is you know based on the idea of you know being part of a family that where is your place you know how are you how are you special in this in this family and i like how they sort of get to that and I agree with Grace a little bit. Like, I still have some questions on how they answered it and if they answered it completely. All in all, I love the music. 
so there are a lot of parts that were very funny and it was a uh, it, it's a laugh you get you know when watching a family and it's it's not like outright comedy it's just ha i relate to that i've seen that happen in you know my family and you know my friends families and stuff like that like it's 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 a very relatable movie as well and maribel is a very good it's she, like you said she's a very relatable character and i kind of like her journey and it just led me to think about you know other characters that have been in that situation before but all in all i enjoyed the movie a lot the i think the biggest thing that i wanted to talk about and i think ruben this may go along with your problem with the a, a any problem with the ending that you have man i didn't like abuela for <laughs> this whole movie yeah like i get it but yo like at the end they're like oh you went through so much so we could you know have this that does not absolve her from be from treating Maribel like shit basically since she was five. Yeah. Like, yo, this is not cool. I want to see the sequel that where they're like, yo, you've been kind of foul. I yeah. So I think I I agree with you, and I think it would have been okay and even more impactful if they'd come back at the end and say, like, yo, you need to, to apologize. Like not just She's going to apologize, and this is all the things in her past that have made her the way that she is, because that's a that's an explanation, but that's not an excuse. Um, but they never really close that apology, and you need that apology. Like it's not okay. And if you're going to make a demonstration of yes, sometimes inappropriate, and sometimes family holds grudges, and sometimes they do. Um, mean things but that doesn't mean it's okay and you do deserve an apology and i so i feel like you either could have made her less of a bitch or you could have (laughs) kept her just as bitchy as she is and then come back at the end and had her really absolve like you need some absolution that's not just this is what happened in my past so you have understanding like you need more than that yeah change rather than just you know i get it mm-hmm. but you know how is how are we gonna move forward that's just you know perpetuating yeah. right it's just perpetuating yeah. the family family problem or making it okay what's stopping abuela from lapsing because yeah. mm-hmm. i feel like the cathartic moment should have been the house collapsed period the it, i think it would have been better if they didn't rebuild that very same house. Like if they didn't get their, you know, their powers or the magic back and they just had to be regular people and be a regular family. I, yeah. So I kind of want, I was like, wow, this would, I, and while it was happening, I was like, I really hope they rebuild this house and they don't have their powers. Mm -hmm. I really hope that's what happens. Cause that's, that's what needs to happen is this was a gift for that time and it served its purpose. So don't give them their powers back. Yeah. Yeah. That was the main issue that I had with it too. I really wanted to see, you know, the family come together, work together, come to an understanding, apologize as well. And I didn't want them to get their powers back because I feel like that kind of defeats a part of the purpose of everything. Well, and, and we have like each character had their own learnings as their powers were dying mm-hmm. that were so valuable. Yes, so- absolutely. Like, you have worth without your super strength. You can be what you want to be 
um, without being perfect in everyone else's eyes. And, and like, wow, what a great lesson to take away. Maybe we shouldn't handicap that again by giving yeah. powers back. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of had a small theory. We, I, I went with a group of friends and my girlfriend was there and we were discussing it all. And we kind of thought, well, if they get their powers back, what was the trigger to that? Surely it wasn't just they rebuilt the house. And I came to thinking because the abuela doesn't have a power and Mirabella doesn't have a power, maybe their power is restoration. Maybe their power is to bring the family together. And maybe Mirabella is supposed to be the matriarch moving forward. And the reason the Encanto was going away was because the grandma didn't want to let go of that didn't want to let go of her authority and pass it on to Mirabella one day. And you can kind of see that it's really, really subtle. And I'm kind of grasping at straws just a little bit. But the the doorknob that uh, they gave Mirabella had an M on it, which of course stands for Madrigal, but also could stand for Mirabella. Like this is... No, it, it stands for Mirabella because the others, Bruno's was B, had a B. Oh, okay. I see. Yeah. So maybe her putting in that doorbell as the last touch activated whatever dormant power that she might have had. And again, the the movie isn't explicit at all with this, but yeah, that's just my thought. I have a theory that their gift is sacrifice because Abuela, I mean, she let her husband go to save the rest of her family and their town. And then sacrificed herself as a mother to raise these three kids mm-hmm. and create this household. So she obviously gave quite a bit. And they they do dive in a bit on that towards the end. On This is what it was like for her. So I appreciate giving that perspective. And then I think for Mirabelle, it's, she was willing to walk away. She was willing to, to go away so that her family would be okay, that, that they would have their power still that they would have their home still um and that's that's a sacrifice and yeah. um and then even to some extent having the town help rebuild the home is a sacrifice it's a giving of something that they can't give back so i think like that as i'm saying that it's making it more clear to me about what their powers their innate powers are right i don't think it's quite spelled out because i definitely didn't get that until we were talking about it. <laughs> really talking about yeah. it. Yeah, really talking about it. But also, why did the other, the rest of the family have to get their power back? Yeah, and does it I, dispel, uh... like, if they didn't get their power back, would that click in my mind that Mirabelle and Abuela's powers are sacrificed? Maybe. Yeah. I think, too, there should have been a shot of the very top floor of the house. You know, you always see the candle up there that gives them their powers. There should have been a shot near the end where you don't see that candle anymore because it's like, you know, it dissipated. To really drive home, Mirabelle's the reason that all this happened, you know. I have somewhere in my notes, like, what is her power? Like, is she the is she the glue that keeps the family going? Or, you know, did because it doesn't show anything. Like, does she have does she actually have a visible power? Or is it, you know, like you guys said, is it latent or is it passed down? Whatever abuela had that kept the magic going because it doesn't really explain like why did the magic start fading because it's my understanding that they've been dumping on mirabelle for a while now because everybody in the village like you mentioned the guy that brings the not so special special 
Like I feel like that's not the that's not the first time he's made that joke. So my question well, was like, why now? Okay, why so now does the magic start fade? Let's follow this thread, like, because I'm trying to figure out too. So if if Abuela and Mirabelle's gifts are sacrifice, and the power of the miracle is born from sacrifice, and that's lacking, you don't need sacrifice, or it's not being given for the family or for the prosperity of the town, then it would make sense that all of the other powers weaken. Like, if that's not being fueled in some way, then, yeah, you're not, you don't deserve super strength. You don't deserve to be able to make life in the form of flowers. Like, yeah, what, what else could that be? I, I kind of had a thought while you were talking the cracks started showing, at least in Mirabelle's minds, whenever her little cousin was being, you know, kind of coronated or whatever to get his own powers. Mm-hmm. And then you get Mirabelle's I Want song, which is about her not being okay with being the only one who isn't special. Mm-hmm. So maybe her, I mean, understandably so, uh, feeling left out, feeling like she's looked down upon, maybe that feeling is what started bringing about. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Like it's feeding on the power of the house. Her desire for a power is feeding on the power of the house and breaking it down. Yeah. And because she, at that point she was by herself. She was by herself. Cause I mean, I don't think she thought this, but there was a brief moment where everybody was like, maybe Antonio won't get a gift. Yeah. Yeah. When he does get his gift, like I think that's where her her kind of latent loneliness resentment. Yeah, resentment and loneliness. Ultimately because like they were roommates because they lived in the room where the no powers people lived. Because mm-hmm. she said, if you don't get powers, you'll just be in, you know, the nursery with me. And I think when he got his his powers, that was it. She's like, I'm alone now. This I, yeah. I am the powerless one mm-hmm. or giftless one. Kinda think too um the gift that mirabelle gave i think it was antonio what's the kid's name yes Mm -hmm. um the gift that mirabelle gave him was a stuffed tiger and then his gift activates and he has a real tiger which there has to be some jealousy there well it's his it's courage right like she gave him courage like that's what the tiger represented and she gave him that because he had a connection with animals before he always liked animals before so yeah like he needed to pass that courage on I mean, I would be fucking pissed. <laughs> I would be what the hell? Are you serious, Yo. man? Like, <laughs> so here's here's one part that like I don't think was touched on is all of the there's the Madrigal family, but people married into that family. There are offspring. Yes, and so the people who married in don't have powers, and we just don't acknowledge that like exactly. that's never talked about mm-hmm. that's one thing and that i wrote I think down. the dad brings it up once if i remember correctly right after antonio's coronation and they're together and they're talking about it and then the mom comes that- in and heals her scratch and she's like oh well it's okay and she's like well you just healed me with <laughs> with food so that was something big that i wrote down like why if everyone has has a gift what are I forget Dad's name? What are Dad and Felix's gifts? Are do they get a pass because their wives are so exceptional? Do they get a pass because they yielded exceptional children? No, because they weren't born into it, right? Like, yeah. so they're not expected. There's no expectation that they would have the miracle. 
Yeah, and then um, bruh, at the end, that's going to marry Dolores, obviously. Like, what's his gift? I don't think it's that you have to marry in with a gift. I don't think it's that you have to bring anything right. to the table. It's just that the people who are born of the family blood have an expectation. I think, too, that, like, it can kind of point out the sort of double standard that families can have sometimes, where they won't expect much of so-and-so's spouse, but God forbid, if, like, you know, like you said, if you're a natural-born madrigal, you know, we expect Mm -hmm. a lot of you, even though they're both just people in the end. And I ask, why didn't, you know, Dad or Felix stick up for Maribel more? Because they don't have, I get it, they're not natural-born madrigals, but in the credits, their names are, their last names are now Madrigal. They are part of the Madrigal clan by marriage. So, you are Madrigals without without powers. Right. You should stick up for this one. The way we've been talking about this, it reminds me of uh, some of the couple of the movies that came to mind. So, were... hang on. Go ahead. That's a that's a good point about the surname being Madrigal, but that's a Hispanic tradition. Is that the surname is the first name is passed on by the father, and that the surname is passed on by the mother. So that would make sense. Yeah, I guess it would. For the tias, for the for the aunts mm-hmm. to pass down to their kids and to their husband. But no, because even still married in, no. Yeah. So passed down would, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it might just be that the Madrigal's influence is so wide-spanning that it's easier to just call all of them Madrigal to the rest of the town. Because they're kind of like, you know, in a way, Maribel's kind of a Disney princess, right? And all, for all intents and purposes... <laughs> Because <laughs> they're pretty, they pretty much rule over this little town. I have a lot of jokes about that. <laughs> I really do. Like, okay, so the town relies on them so much. It's shown like the the ta- once the magic starts fading, everybody in the town they they get worried. And I'm just like, how how does this family? I get it. They have amazing gifts. Luisa's is the most noticeable because apparently she's the strongest there is. How did they get so much influence and how come the town can't fend for themselves without, you know, I get it. Louisa is the one that can stop natural disasters and mom is the healer, but we can live without the rest of their powers. So I have a thing about Louisa, though. Can she actually stop anything or does she just, are her motions just causing the weather? Oh, you're talking about, uh, oh, you're talking about Peppa. Yeah, you're talking about Peppa. Peppa, in her immediate location. Like, does it actually stop things? I think in one scene, you kind of show that the weather isn't just localized to her, her immediate location. Like, whenever she's freaking out about the secret, and you can see outside how there's dark storm clouds everywhere and the wind's blowing. But, yeah, I think the immediate... But we don't, we, but we never see her manipulate the weather. Like, for the good of the town. Yeah, it's always just a reflection of her feelings. I think it might just be kind of uh, symbolic to our one really emotional aunt that we all have. That kind of just wears (laughs) her emotions on her sleeve, taken to the logical extreme. But, I don't know. I can't pinpoint an exact moment, but I think that she can... Like, just it being sunny all of the time until she starts worrying about stuff. I think that's her affecting the weather for the good of the town. It's just not show. I think the only su- the only way you can see it is that it only rains when she's freaking out about something. Mm-hmm. But with, you know, the shapeshifter and... Uh, what's his name? Uh, the shapeshifter and Dolores. Which, 
Camilo, yes. And Dolores, whose their powers are kind of like, yeah, they have cool powers, but how can you really... Well, I guess Camilo can shapeshift into someone who, like, into a helpful person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, but he could he could also replicate his family's powers, right? Like, he could be, he could be super strong. I don't I th- think I thought, he can. I thought there was a point where he displayed... He replicated it was tough to t- Dolores at one point. I don't remember him replicating Luisa. I, I mean, of course, I've only seen this movie once and I didn't really take mm-hmm. crazy notes or anything, but um, I don't know. That's that's a great question. I think for a second, third viewing, I might have to look out for that. My, my question about the family is like, what if they weren't as benevolent as they were? Like if the family relies on them so much and if they were so powerful, like if this was any other studio like this family would have been a problem like they could have been like <laughs> Ab- the first line of the the first song is abuela runs the show like she is the she is the godmother of this the family head of and like <laughs> right right she's the head of the magico family don't like don't mess yeah. with them or they bad things will happen to you because dolores hears everything so you know, you can't talk bad about the about the, the magicals. Like oh, they could have been no. tyrants. Yeah, they could have been straight been 1984 thought crimes. You know, right? Yeah, and like Luisa controlling the weather and Camilo turning into anyone, and then uh, Luisa being you know the muscle. The the family could have been a problem. And if like mom, if mom can heal people, can she like? poison people too or maybe the whole oh man i just had a really morbid thought i don't know if i want to say it say it if it's too morbid we'll cut the whole like (laughs) louisa is kind of the muscle so maybe to get something out they'll do whatever they need to do and then heal them and then do it again oh i don't that was a really dark thought i had you're not wrong though oh there was a there was a cartoon where something like that happened oh it's um I want to say it happened in Men in Black. Yes, it's Men in Black. When he's interrogating the jewel, the the jeweler guy, and he keeps shooting his head, and it keeps growing oh. back. <laughs> That's exactly what that is. Yeah. The cynical part I get with this is the the point of the movie is your you can be special without your gifts. But well, I don't I don't think that is the point of the movie. <laughs> that That's what I think that they were trying to get at because. That's what I they were that's, saying. Like, I think they that's said the message for kids. I think okay. it's the, the like the basic. Every everyone has something to bring to the table, and it's not necessarily what others have identified for you. Okay. I think, I think that's probably the, the primary message for kids. I the think tip of the Encanto iceberg. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly. I feel, like, I feel like the bigger message is like every family has their problems, and sometimes people are not good people, and that's okay. We can love them anyway, but that like. That means that they might have some things that we don't love about them, mm-hmm. and we still love them. Sacrifice can be important to be selfless. So once she stops thinking about her own power, is really when solutions start happening. But yeah, I think it's bigger than you can be accepted for who you are. I'm glad you shot down my "you can be special without gifts" idea because Incredibles taught us that when everyone is special, no, no one is special. <laughs> Yeah. Sounds like, uh, is is Disney yeah. trying to start something? <laughs> the Book uh, of Pixar, chapter chapter six. <laughs> best segue I'm gonna get in the history of the podcast. So, uh, are we gonna talk about Bruno? Ooh, <laughs> I don't know. I love the song. It's a also, good song. 
<laughs> Did you think that I need to look up the actor who plays Bruno? It's uh, John Leguizamo. Well, I need to look up a picture of him. Okay. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. Because <laughs> at first, at first, I was like, "Is this made in the image of Lin Manuel Miranda?" <laughs> <laughs> it looks like him just a little bit. But no. But if you look at if you look at a lot of the actors, they're very similar. Hmm. Felix looks like dark skinned Maui. And I don't think Disney thought we would notice. Oh, that's, ex- man. that's exactly what he looks like. No, but he looks like Mauro. <laughs> if you look at a photo of him on IMDb, like, it's a pretty good, mm-hmm. like, several of these. Felix was good. Who else? I looked through some of these. Felix got some moves. Luisa, as Jess- or Jessica Darrow as Luisa. Mm. Um, like, she obviously looks a little bit taller and, like, broader in the shoulders. Maybe not, like, super messy, but. Ooh, question about Louisa. So is she, and this is a strong character trope altogether. If you are super strong, are you strong because of muscles or just because of the power? Because she's like lifting weights and working out. Like if you naturally have super strength, do you need to work out? Yeah. That's a good point. Because you watch. The Rock. The Rock is super strong. He's super strong. The Rock isn't lifting bridges though. But. Or donkeys. He's lifted. He's. How do you know? <laughs> Have you seen him? <laughs> Have you seen him not lift a bridge? Have you seen him try to lift a bridge and fail? No. <laughs> Challenge story. Fair. That's a fair point. I need but. you to go do your research. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Let me Google this shit. Um, yeah. No. I think. I think that totally makes sense. I mean, like Captain America is still working out and lifting weights. Have you guys ever seen Invincible at all? Yes. See? Invincible. He is super a, skinny. Yep, yep. Really small frame dude. Um, I mean, I'm sure when he takes off his shirt, he looks pretty muscular, but not to the extent that Luisa does. Uh, I'm sure that's mainly just, you know, creative liberties on the trope, but I don't think you necessarily would. I Probably it helps, but at that point, whenever you're lifting churches and donkeys and moving mountains... As she said, I don't know if the muscles are doing most of the work. This okay, so what I'm about to say tells me that I've been reading too much fantasy, but it makes me think of like it depends on the magic system. It depends on the superhero superhero system. Welcome to the dark side, Grace. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to one of uh, us. One of us. Yeah, I feel like it it depends. Are are we talking X Men or are we talking Avengers? Like I'm I'm thinking specifically Look at it this way. Sky High versus Colossus from the X-Men. Or um, what's his name? Will from Sky High versus Colossus from the X-Men. Will was a wiry teenager, but he could lift an entire he could lift the entire school back into space or back into orbit. Colossus is huge and can also do that. So, like, where's the Where's the one-to-one? Like, is Colossus stronger than Will because he can do that? Look at Spider-Man. You know, Spider-Man is has super strength too, but he's also very lanky and small. Yeah, I think it, you would have to look at the feats. Now we're going into, like, super nerd territory talking about feats yeah, and everything. <laughs> but anyway. If this isn't the podcast for that, what is? <laughs> bring, it, bring it back a little bit. You know what? You haven't said that we can do a Marvel bracket yet, Ooh. so I'm going to need to bring it back yeah. from superheroes. Right. Yeah. The time isn't right yet. <laughs> okay. it's still a Disney property. We'll be after 
No, no place. Home. What's the new? No way home. Spider-Man movie. No way, no way home. home. Is it going to be after that? Are it's you just waiting yet. for that so we can it's, add it in? The time. The the planets have to align. And it's we fine. Have to release, we have to release the Titans. It's fine. Any of our long-term listeners, like, remember how long it took me to get him on board to do Star Wars? Just years. It was uh, years. I, so, rem- I recall been... you saying in the podcast, you'd never do it. <laughs> yep. I listened yep. to that episode. And, <laughs> and I said, and we'd never do an Anastasia episode. We never did it. Yeah, he said, we'd never do an Anastasia. That took about, I think about two years after it was purchased. Yeah. Um, after Fox was purchased. Give me a year. It's not time yet. Give me a you, year. You're going to wear me down? <laughs> I had to get through Anastasia first. That was a priority. That's what I consider low-hanging fruit, and it still took years. <laughs> so back to Bruno. I Are we going to talk intro- about Bruno? I loved his introduction. <laughs> yes, me too. Because the whole, uh, she gets through the portrait on some Harry Potter shit. Like, that's exactly what happened. Uh, <laughs> and the the... The mouse or the rat or whatever is running with the because you only see the mouse running with the shard, the green shard, and then the lightning flashes and boom, Bruno's there. I was like, oh, that's dope. Yeah, I love it. Yep, great. Yeah, and I love how he's portrayed as this intimidating figure that has the most evil smile, and he ends up being the eccentric uncle that everybody doesn't take mm-hmm. seriously. <laughs> yeah. I thought the anticipation of her almost falling to her death, I thought that was so well played. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then they that just kind of drop down a little bit. <laughs> he kind of just, you know, waves oh, okay. his hand a little. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. I love that. I thought the suspense, like, there was such a great buildup and then such a great release. And then we actually get to go in and see where he's been living and... That was the first moment I wanted to cry when it was when I oh, saw yeah. his placemat mm-hmm. mirroring the family dinner My heart and broke. knowing, knowing like I'm about to cry right now. Like he's been watching. He made the sacrifice because he knew that he was hurting his family and the town people because they couldn't understand his gift. So he made the sacrifice, but that's also driven him crazy. And I think they could have leaned a little bit harder on that, um, but. I don't think they needed to. I just think I could have taken a little more. But that, like, seeing his placemat area, like, oh. Yeah. Right, the feels. I'm trying to find the line that he said, because it was something along the lines of, I left because I wasn't helping the family, but I love my family, or something like that. And I was like, oh. Yeah, because Mirabelle's over here accusing him of not, you know, appreciating or loving the family. And he's like, no, I I love my family. And that, Mm -hmm. oh. Gosh. So so misunderstood, um, and it makes it makes a ton of sense, especially considering how um, Abuela is treated. Anyone who's wrong step, yeah, or anyone that really would come between her and the Encanto, you know, anyone that could cut, draw a line between her and her perfect idealized world. I think that's the person that she needs to apologize the most to mm-hmm. is Bruno. That okay, so. That moment, now that you're saying that, I love that moment when it happened, their reunion, and how she just absolutely, I've missed you. I I, I don't want to hear it. I have missed you. You have been missing from my life. Yes, I think there's an apology due there, but I think they got away with it because there wasn't, there weren't words between her seeing him and them hugging and her accepting 
him yeah. for exactly all of the things that he was worried about and exactly the crazy state that he probably looked in it then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I think that kind of makes it okay. Yeah. And I think it was a moment that really kind of surpassed words at that point. I wish they played it up a little bit more. I wish we could hear the, the footsteps of the horse and grandma has a flashback and she's like, Oh, they're back. Mirabelle get behind me. And then it's just, it's just Bruno. He lifts up his hood and then she goes for the hug or something like that. Yeah. You know, that would have been great. I, you know, until you're saying that, I didn't even align that timing. Yeah. Cause they like, were just talking just... about the past, yeah. you know, and then we as an audience, you know, with that previous information just fresh in our minds, could have drawn that line. Uh, yeah. They chose to play it more sweet and soft. And no, that's okay. But, you know, that's just a, a little nitpick. I like it though. I agree. Like the way she treated him, he's the. I think if I'm reading the movie right, Peppa, Bruno, and Julieta are all the same age. Yeah. I think they are triplets. Yeah. Yeah. And just the way that she was holding them, I'm like, this. This seems dangerous for all the babies, but I'm not a parent, so I'm gonna hold my tongue. But the fact that he's the he's the only he's her only son. Yeah. That like culturally, wouldn't that have another like isn't there a little bit of more special to that? Yeah, uh, a firstborn son can mean a lot to a lot of different cultures, especially in Hispanic culture. They're usually kind of seen as, I mean, you know, it's probably just a little bit of um, internalized misogyny, but it's seen as more valuable to have a son because then he can pass on the family name. But uh, I can't really speak to Colombian culture because it seems like Abuela Machigal had has all the authority. And, you know, maybe if uh, the husband had been the one who survived, maybe it'd be a little different. So uh, like I said, I can't know for sure. I don't want to you know, speak on behalf of a culture that I'm not a part of. This is where Grace tries to be culturally sensitive while also saying fuck the patriarchy. Yeah, I <laughs> I completely understand. There's a lot of, you know, growing and not just assimilation, but really just modernization that has taken place. And I've seen a lot of families just in, in brown culture in general, not just with Hispanic people, but where they still are kind of clinging on to outdated ideas of, of gender and uh, what makes someone more valuable. Facts. Last thing about the Abuela-Bruno relationship. I feel like Bruno, because of the nature of his powers, would be Abuela's number two. Yeah. Because if she's so worried about, like, and he, he kind of goes through it. She's so worried about the threat or any threats to her happiness or to the prosperity of the Encanto he would be the one. He's her confidant, I, I, I think. I feel like this is a gap in the storytelling, like an intentional something that they just didn't touch on, a loophole, is that Bruno's gift should have been trusted more. Just because Bruno is pointing out all of these negative things, like he wasn't just pointing out negative things, but that's what people chose to focus on. I feel like you, if you have identified as a magical family, you're experience and identifying people's gifts and honing in on them that you know that bruno is looking into the future and it also seems like he can't necessarily do that without doing an incantation like it has to be somewhat intentional so why wouldn't you trust that more why would you be so dismissive because it hasn't played out in your favor like yeah bad shit happens i don't mean it's his fault Mm -hmm. um i think that was kind of something that 
it was too easy to dismiss. Yeah. Yeah. It it kind of goes hand in hand with the abuela just being downright a selfish individual. Yeah. Everything like she said it probably five or six times. Nothing can go wrong tonight. Tonight has to be perfect. And if anything opposes that perfect point of view, then you're out. It happened with Bruno, it happened with Mirabel. And it's it's really unfortunate because like you guys have been saying he was just so misunderstood and just because he might have said something that you know wasn't great doesn't mean that it has to you know doesn't mean that it is also good and it's super sad that he was basically demonized by the family even the younger kids who never met him him. yeah (laughs) he was he was this boogeyman because of you know some misunderstanding that he apparently never got to explain himself for it it's just like yo that's that's mad disappointing for someone who holds her family so dear and in my head i'm saying uh family in the vin diesel voice just (laughs) just so you guys know who holds family so dear that she would you know allow that to go to go on so much yeah and how does the town come to accept him after all that too you know after basically being fear-mongered for however long it might have been you know how how did the townspeople get to trust him again mm-hmm. uh I, of course that's beyond the scope of the story that was being told but i feel like it's an interesting question to ask nonetheless of, you know feeling bad for the guy oh i love asking questions of like beyond the movie the the questions that we ask that end up becoming disney plus shows oh yeah looking at you <laughs> looking at you moana plus <laughs> looking at you tiana Let's talk about something that we surprising for us that we haven't mentioned that much about. Let's talk about the music for a second, dovetailing back into the abuela, the the ending of this movie and the abuela conversation. The balls on this movie to have your third act. I looked this term up. The eleven o'clock number. Oh, set completely in Spanish yeah. with yeah. no subtitles and no explanation from any character on what just happened. Yeah. That I think that is Disney trusting, you know, the storytellers, trusting the audience to be like, this is why Abuela is the way she is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good on Lynn for putting that together. I don't know. I'm wanting to look at the lyrics to it. I know a decent amount of it is about butterflies, mariposas. Do you know what the song is? Uh, Dos Oruguitas is what it's called. Okay. There's a an English there's a Spanish version which is higher up on the track list and then okay. later on there's an English version. That one plays in the credits, I believe. Okay. Um the that English long. version. Gotcha. Yeah, I, it was it was kind of a like you said a ballsy move to play it completely in Spanish. There was one thing that um I really wished Coco would have done is the song Remember Me. I believe was originally written in Spanish yes. and it's called Recuerdame. And it kind of makes a little bit more sense in Spanish if you speak Spanish. Mm-hmm. And it's a beautiful, beautiful version of that. Just, you know, the Spanish language itself is just very beautiful. And to be able to hear Dos Oruguitas and it's, you know, unfiltered original language was, um, man, I was, I was sobbing. I was sobbing. I like how the whole flashback started, how she like, young her just kind of shadow walked into the scene and then we just kind of transition oh this is good y'all <laughs> are you watching it no i'm reading the translated lyrics i caught butterflies mariposas but it starts that 
Arugritas is uh, caterpillars. Mm-hmm. Or little cal- little caterpillars. So it's about two little cal- caterpillars in love, and then them blooming into and their love, and then them blooming into butterflies who don't yeah. hold on to each other and need to live their separate lives. Yeah. Oh man, it's I butterflies do not hold on anymore. You have to grow apart and come back, or we will carry on. There are already miracles breaking chrysalis. Ooh, that imagery, though. You have to fly. You have to find his own future. Uh, ah. I believe that song was written by um, uh, Sebastian Yatra. Um, mm-hmm. He works with Lin-Manuel Miranda to, to really bring that to life. You know, and just the direction, the sound design, the visuals, everything together made that sequence so heartbreaking. And even though you kind of hated Abuela for a good majority of the movie. Yeah. For a second there, you're like, oh man, she's gone through so much. Reading through those lyrics, that brings a different level to uh, the storytelling of, like I mentioned before, that gives the reason, but not the excuse, but that gives a different level of explanation to the reason, um, reading those lyrics. So if you Mm -hmm. don't know Spanish um, or didn't recognize the lyrics from that song i highly recommend looking them up yeah speaking of looking at the lyrics uh something that on the first watch of this i wish i had the lyrics because the mix of what is it surface pressure and the family madrigals and we don't talk about bruno the especially with we don't talk about bruno lin-manuel's specific style of layering in songs is all over we don't talk about bruno and it's like oh i can't listen to five different people talk at once and understand what everybody is saying even though they're just repeating their verse i was Mm -hmm. like sitting in that theater i was like as soon as i get out of here i'm going to listen to all of these again but while i'm reading the lyrics Mm -hmm. so i know what is going on Mm -hmm. oh man yeah surface pressure too what a song Mm -hmm. wow just and the the strength um luisa's yeah, that's Luisa's song. And oh, that was the first one where I was like, okay, I was not it in. Was so like, I deep. wasn't convinced. I was not convinced by the music until this point. <laughs> now I yeah. am so in. Yeah, that, was, that, that was my turning point, too, actually. The, the Family Mother Girl kind of went a little bit too long, in my opinion. It was a fun song, mm-hmm. but you kind of get to the point where all the kids are asking Mirabelle, and she's just repeating everything that she was saying, but a lot faster because you can tell she's getting nervous. Uh, yeah. yeah, they could have cut it just a little bit to, you know, I guess save some time. But uh, yeah, Luisa's song. Wow. Just what a track. Can mm-hmm. I, I, I <laughs> um, after that song, like I said, I didn't know anything about the movie. And my friend peeks over and she's like, yeah, Lin-Manuel Miranda wrote that song. And I was like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah, that makes so much sense. I will say I knew that he wrote a lot of this music. There was nothing that stood out to me that was like, oh, that's Lynn. Where in Moana, I didn't know that it was Lynn that wrote the music. And I was like, that's Hamilton. That has to be. Yeah, I think the the hook of that song, the hook of Luisa's song really kind of, or it kind of went a little bit more hip hop, kind of went a little bit more Mm -hmm. like they were focusing a lot on the rhythm and the staccato of the the verses. Kind of, you know, sprung up to me as being a little bit more Hamilton, a little bit more like... um, that style of where he blends theatrics and 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 rap music 
I feel like yeah. that's kind of where I saw it. I haven't seen it yet, but I, I read that that chorus is similar to one of the songs in Tick, Tick, Boom. Hmm. I haven't seen that one either. Which he directed. I hear it's good. I may watch that this weekend. I, I love the listening to just the instrumental of it. It's it's all over the place. It's freaking bananas. I thought Bruno was going to get a song, but he didn't. And I'm kind of glad he didn't because it would kind of ruin. I think it would have been a little bit much. Like mm-hmm. Bruno being like Bruno being the sympathetic character was enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, sorry, just going back to the soundtrack. I, I really liked the blend of using things like Cumbia. Uh, if you guys aren't familiar, it's it's kind of just like that Latin beat um, where you'll hear like a that's everywhere in the soundtrack, you know. And bringing on a Colombian composer is great. Most of the cast actually is Colombian. I took I took a look at the cast just to see if if that was a thing. But man, what great representation in this movie! I think Dosoroguitas will be. It could be if Disney continues to display their balls. This could be the song that you put up for best original song, I think. Because it's usually the, you know, the third act song. It's either the third act song or the showstopper that you put up for best original song. And I don't think there's a showstopping number that's strong enough. I mean, we don't talk about Bruno is kind of the showstopper, mm-hmm. but I don't think you, I don't think it's strong enough to win anything. Yeah. So what other Luca? Luca came out this year. Yeah, Luca and Raya came out this year. And Raya. Raya seems like so long ago. But Luca, what is that song in Luca? Um, I would bet that's, I would bet that beats out this as a contender i mean i'm trying to get lin his egot he, sh- he should have won it for moana but freaking la la land took the world by storm <laughs> uh, movie's not even that good oh shots fired it's not <laughs> or and the song that won isn't even that good city of stars shouldn't have been the winner the audition song is the better song at me now i want to listen to the luca soundtrack something silly that i have in my notes everybody lives in that house everybody has a room next to each other like i don't want to think about it yeah there are six <laughs> kids their rooms kind of alter space and time and though. one of and and tia can hear everything yes dolores can hear everything bro dolores kind of messed up for not sticking up for bruno right <laughs> you're right yeah. she it's like a throwaway line at the end but she's like oh yeah i heard that he was there i knew he was there the whole time it's like come on someone's not yeah. using their gifts like, how do you yeah, even use your she gift? has the gift of tea yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then <laughs> and then um oh my gosh what was his name the young kid who got his powers was it mariana uh antonio yeah. antonio who had <laughs> the animal is like oh yeah the rats told me oh yeah <laughs> he's young though it's not his it's not his job he's new to this i have to make this comparison the pressure that abuela was putting on maribel for not having no the the pressure that they might have been they subtly were putting on antonio to get his his gift reminds me of harry potter like those kids who are like nervous Mm -hmm. who are like squibs who aren't sure if they're gonna get their letter or not yeah or even like ron who wasn't sure he was gonna end up in gryffindor like yeah nervous about it yeah 
It's okay. The the hat lets you choose if you want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess we can wrap up with uh, favorite characters. Ooh. Um, I I really like Buisa. Yeah. <laughs> um, her song was so good. So that's a big part of it. I thought Bruno was really well done too. So I think Bruno and Maribel and Luisa are, are my favorites. If I had to pick, um, I I'd probably say that uh, Mirabel is probably at the top for me. Um, and then Antonio, I I love that kid. He's he was great. He had he had moves, man. He could dance. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And and Bruno probably also. I love Bruno. It's just man, what a tragic character to be redeemed and and to be a part of the family again. I I think I got to go with Bruno also because i liked his i liked his look and the design of how his powers work yeah mm-hmm. and the whole uh raiders of the lost ark feel that was his room that doesn't seem very functional no <laughs> so i i guess it works like getting getting down from that every day to go to breakfast like how how it's a lot of stairs he said yeah uh, i love the part where Bruno's like, oh, well, I need my enchantment room, but you destroyed that, so what are we going to do? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, back to music for a second. Grace, I, I want to ask you this every time, because I know Disney is very soprano-heavy for their yeah. their female their female voices. I, uh-huh. I feel like Maribel is, and, and Louisa, and they're, uh, they're a little bit more alto. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there wasn't anything, like, there wasn't anything that stood out to me that I was like, oh, that's, that's really high or difficult, but I, I, I wasn't listening for, I do remember hearing Luisa's and I was like, oh yeah, like, this is going to be something fun to sing once I learn it, but like, there, I'm trying to think of examples of, I was thinking waiting for a Frozen. (laughs) Uh, well, I, I was thinking of, like, Frozen obviously has, like, Frozen one and two both have songs that are like very soprano heavy and it and it feels like something to reach for. And this didn't have anything that it felt like to reach for, but it also doesn't have anything super low. I don't know. I I'm not even sure I qualify as a true alto now. I definitely don't qualify as a soprano. Mm. But um I don't I don't know that I have the range as an alto now. I have been singing a lot of Adele in the last couple weeks though, so oh, maybe I'm getting it back. We'll see. Get it. I just can't belt. I'm a bad belter. <laughs> Favorite moments? It's like a scene that stuck out to you. I mean, Bruno, seeing Bruno's dinner space and then uh, the reunion with Abuela. Those are mine. I really liked um, whenever Isabella and Maribel kind of had their moment where she was like, well, I don't even want to marry that dude. I don't even like him. And Mirabel's like, mm-hmm. How, because such opposing forces, you know, one thinks she's so perfect and the other one thinks she's trying to sabotage my life. There's all mm-hmm. these pressures on on both sides. And I really, I really enjoyed their number together. I really enjoyed, you know, the hug that they had. That was supposedly going to save everything, but it didn't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that moment between sisters was really great. Something that stuck out to me was uh, when they say stars don't shine, they burn. Yeah. Yes. That's kind of an illustration of, okay, so we think stars shine because, like, we as people think that stars shine. That's mm-hmm. our perception of what stars do. Mm-hmm. What stars actually do 
like Pumbaa said, they are burning balls of gas. And Maribel, like you just said, Ruben, Maribel's perception of Isabella was that she's perfect. Mm-hmm. But Isabella does not have any of her shit together. There's way more complexity, right? Yeah. Yeah. I Okay, that was another thing that bothered me was um, Isabella's hair changing color. It changed color? Yes. After she had a revelation that she could create cactuses and other weird stuff, her hair color changed from black to being like a multicolored green. Like it shifted with the light. I think that's just she has the dye that she made. I think that's her keeping it in her hair. But she didn't have her powers anymore. I mean, clearly she didn't take a shower either. (laughs) I think it just could have been, you know, residue. How long did it take him to build that house? you think right <laughs> yeah because nobody got their powers back until the house was. yeah done. i mean they've been been working on i-35 for a minute there you know <laughs> and those are like Texas skilled burn, construction y'all. workers i mean who knows how long it took this whole town to build that freaking mansion i'm mad that the town didn't help them until then <laughs> yeah it's finally being useful i think my favorite moment is I think the scene, it's Bruno themed. I think the scene with Bruno doing the way he did his his vision, like the way he set up for the vision was really cool. Just the the glow in his eyes because, you know, green is evil, but green is also historically in Disney. If it's not evil, it's the magic color. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Ooh, I didn't write this down. Favorite uh, joke. Favorite joke. Oh, man. Um. I got mine. Yeah. Uh, Tell us. Right before she goes into Isabella's room, she's like, let's bring back the miracle with a hug. Uh, <laughs> oh, I love, um, now that you bring up that that um, Bruno scene, they're like, oh, who is it in the vision? Who else is that? Who Who is that I'm hugging? She's like, Isabella! <laughs> so <laughs> let down by the fact that she had to be nice to her sister for once. <laughs> uh, that's super relatable, though. <laughs> I don't have one. I can't think of one. Oh. I know. That's okay. Do you think this will beat Raya or Luca for best animated feature? I liked them. I liked I liked Encanto more, but that's probably just my own personal bias with the soundtrack. <laughs> I haven't seen Raya yet. <laughs> Grace, weren't you on the Raya episode? No, I wasn't. You recorded it without me. <laughs> Who was that on the Raya? Was that Alyssa? I think so. <laughs> That might have been Alyssa. I'll watch it before the end of the year. I'm gonna sh- I could have swore you were on the Raya episode. I, I definitely wouldn't have recorded something I didn't watch. Good to know. <laughs> I have Spotify. more integrity than that. Uh, and we already talked about what possibly would win for best original song. Uh, yeah. I, I think uh, Dos Oroguitos, Oroguitas would be the the song i think i think so too for sure a little bit of trivia mirabelle is the first female disney protagonist to wear glasses yes (gasps) yes yeah i didn't notice and she is the fifth to not have a love interest it's so normal now for me that i didn't even like consider that yeah i didn't even notice didn't even i didn't notice her glasses i wear glasses y'all yeah glasses representation that doesn't <laughs> Ruben and I are both wearing glasses. I wear contacts. Okay. <laughs> okay. I wore, you know what? I wore contacts and glasses through most of college, and then 
at some point I ran out of contacts. I feel like this is how most people convert to glasses. They're just way more convenient. And then, yeah, it's just so much more convenient. I mean, with wearing a face mask all day, I I gotta I can't have glasses on. Just, it's not that I, bad. I, I tried it once and I'm like, nope, not doing you gotta, it. You gotta, you gotta. cold enough in Texas to worry about it. This is the 10th Disney animated feature not based on a pre existing work. And like we said at the top, this is the 60th Disney animated feature. Wow, that's insane. I thought it was funny. I was reading a tweet from, it might have been Lynn, it might have been one of the directors. They were like, this is the 60th. We're so happy that we get to be the 60th Disney animated feature. We'll try not to screw it up. <laughs> Fair enough, you know. That's a lot right. of pressure. And one last thing I wanted to bring up before we get to Drunk Disney. Uh, between this movie and um, Raya, to, su- to a certain extent, and Coco, Disney has, I think, successfully gotten into a trend of being more diverse with their movies. Like, an accept- like bringing culture into it. Like, Gone Other Days were will kind of do a little bit of diversity or a little bit of, you know, cultural stuff with Mulan. And I don't accept that Princess and the Frog is a culturally diverse movie. I don't accept it because Tiana gets turned into a frog like 15 minutes into the movie, if that. Mm -hmm. And like, I I don't. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you'd be the authority on that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's very nice. I'm really happy about this one. I'm really about Encanto and the other ones that I mentioned, but I really want my, where is our, uh, where is our, uh, I'll say, where's the Black Panther for our animated movies? I'm ready. Right. I'm ready for it, man. Right. I'm right next it. to you. I want it. Hope it happens soon, man. Me too. What, who is the, I have his name written down somewhere. Uh, Carlos, uh, what is his name? Carlos Estrada Lopez, who was one of the directors on Raya has a movie one of the next movies he is the director of but so more you know diversity in the directing chair I'm really excited about that what would y'all give Encanto as a letter grade guess first I would probably give it uh either a b plus or an a minus um I think it did a lot of things great I think the representation as we've said many times is uh, very, very well deserved. Well, very well done. The music and the voice acting, and uh, with you know, just gripes with the story, gripes with the ending. Um, but probably, I, I'd, I'd probably say a really strong B plus. Now that I've kind of communicated it, <laughs> I will say B plus as well. I think what the story was trying to say uh, was admirable. I think the kind of absolving the abuela, abuela at the end without a real like reckoning for her i think is what bogs it down for me too uh the music was great the characters were you know great i love bruno obviously now that we can talk about him (laughs) um i i think it's it's one of the better and i think more memorable uh disney movies because like i i give I give kudos to any Disney movie that makes me write as many notes as I did and gives me as many thoughts as I had. Mm-hmm. So, cause like, unfortunately, as much as I loved Raya and listened to that episode, I raved about Raya for a minute. Didn't stick with me uh, concept wise as much as this one probably will. I, uh, I was originally thinking that I'd put this as a, like a solid B, but now that we've talked through 
I can mentally identify Maribel and Abuela's gifts as sacrifice. Like I'm, I'm pretty sold on that concept. I think I can get behind giving it to B plus. I think it's B, B, B plus. I think about um, like how often am I going to watch this? And the movies that I put in the A category are things that I'll rewatch every year or two, like pretty consistently. So like Nemo, um, Incredibles, Wally. Those are kind of in that tier. Um, and I don't think this quite hits that, but it it, it is good. And I want to see it again. And not all Pixar and Disney movies make me want to, like, I all think they're good, but they don't all make me want to see them again. And this is one where I know that I want to see it again because I know that I missed some stuff. And now reflecting on it, I think I have a better idea and I think I'll pick up more. So I'm going to say B plus minus. I'm going to say a <laughs> solid 86.5%. I love how specific it is. That's great. <laughs> You... <laughs> that's where I'm at. Oh, <laughs> that's awesome so uh that is our review of Encanto. grace what do we have for what do you got for a drunk disney okay so tori messaged me and said yo i just saw Encanto. it's gonna be so easy to do a drunken disney and then we never talked about it so clearly, <laughs> I, I didn't want to influence you clearly uh drunk anytime there's a new song oh no <laughs> What what do you what else do you think, Tori? Uh, oh, I wrote him down. Hold on. Casita. If you uh, if you really want to get toasted every time, uh, every time they say familia or mother Madrigal. Miguel. Oh, yeah. I, if you really want to get toasted, <laughs> I had both of those. Familia I think you could or... do if you just did Madrigal or Casita. Yeah. Or family or familia. I think you get one word one. So we've got <laughs> beginning of songs. Pick a word. And then a third one. Uh, anytime someone says Bruno, or anyone, and anytime someone uses their dude. No, anytime a foot is no, a bitch. That's too many. <laughs> man, man. Those are the those are the extras. Those are the sympathy drinks. Oh man. Okay, so. Oh, I'm sad. Drink. Okay, so anytime uh, there's a new song. Anytime someone says Madrigal, anytime what's the one that's not word related, that's not Abuela. Anytime someone uses their gift. Nope, that one's too much. Oh, Bruno. Okay. 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 There we go. Madrigal or Bruno, and then anytime any Abuela is a bitch, uh, that's a bonus. <laughs> a sympathy sympathy drink. The, the real bonus is anytime they say this is for me for anytime I think for anytime. I watch a movie. Anytime they say the title of the movie, mm. finish your drink. There you go. It's uh, the Cinema Sense drink. <laughs> <laughs> this was fun. Oh, man. Yeah, this is yeah, a good one. a lot of fun. Thanks a lot, Ruben, oh. for being here and talking about this with us. I know we've, we haven't talked about movies in a while. We got to catch up. Dude, definitely. <laughs> oh, that was, that was a joy to be here. Thank you so much, guys, for having me. Do you have anything to plug? Plug your stuff. Sure. Uh, I'm on Instagram at... Uh, Ruben Skyline, and I am on SoundCloud at Just Skyline. Uh, I make either short cover videos on the guitar, piano, various instruments, or uh, on my SoundCloud, I'm uploading uh, fully orchestrated pieces that I've been writing. So uh, if you guys want to check those out, that'd be great. Thank you. You want I should drop one of your uh, one of your compositions in the credits? 
Sure. Uh, or at the beginning. Yeah, if if you'd like. Um, we'll have to see which one would work the best, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I kind of want to do it at the beginning because I really want to go out with Colombia Me Encanto. Yeah. For the credits. Yeah, sure. Because that's a banger. It's a, it's a certified banger, Grace. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great one. <laughs> You can follow uh, Disney Versus on Facebook at facebook.com slash Disney Versus, on Twitter at Disney VS, and on Instagram at Disney Versus Podcast. Hashtag Disney Cookbook. Dis- Dang it, I have it written wrong again. Uh, Disney Parks Cookbook Challenge is the hashtag on Instagram. I have four recipes left and a uh, little over about three weeks. About three weeks to get it done. So. I told one of my staff members the other day that I was like, I, I don't want to be cooking on the last week of the year. I just want to bask and, you know, be done. So hopefully I can get it, get it done by, by like Christmas. I may make the last one on like Christmas day. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, and Google podcast. Please give us a five-star review. And uh, if you do that and leave us a comment, we will read it on the air. I don't know how we are going to close out the year, but uh, 2021 is almost over with. Hallelujah. About time. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Be safe for the holidays. Don't do anything, you know, too super crazy. Uh, at least try to make it to the beginning of 2022 before you do something super crazy. Uh, we got some cool stuff planned for y'all coming up. Maybe not a Marvel bracket, but other things. Give me a year. Just give me a year. <laughs> so twenty twenty three, we will be doing a Marvel Hang thing. In there. Right. Oh, oh can I can I I'm gonna isolate that clip. Tori said what? it. Twenty twenty three, we will be doing a Marvel bracket. That's what he <laughs> what? said. You heard it here first, people. Uh I played the fifth. You already said uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> he's also the one that edits the audio I have, oh. I have final cut well, I have final cut so unfortunate good thing we're not all recording audio oh, oh that's... Uh, I'm gonna end this so I don't get held to <laughs> anything else that I say it's time <laughs> wrap it up thank you for listening as always thank you also Charlie I, I get it Charlie we're done I get it it's Carter, uh, not Charlie. Sorry. Car- but see, nice job. <laughs> we'll see you guys next episode. <laughs> <laughs>